This is Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. Shine On is a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD. Hello, and let us shine on in prayer today. All kinds of prayer, old school and vibrational. Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for tuning in today. Two New York Times best-selling authors will join us, both writing about spirit, but from two very different camps, kind of. Chanting in Mandarin Chinese and tracing your finger over energized calligraphy can send unconditional love into action. A protege of Dr. Master Shah is here today with his little book called Greatest Love. Da I, we will be chanting with him. And Timothy Keller has a more traditional day-by-day prayer book, God's Wisdom, Navigating for Life. Mr. Keller started the Redeemer Church in New York City, and he says there is a movement afoot in big cities for this new kind of Christian church. And Mr. Keller, I want to start right there. Tell me more about that. Well, I'm glad you asked me that. I I don't think this is a... um Frankly, I don't think this is very well known, but the uh, in the cities, New York, but actually in all the cities, there's like a new kind of multi-ethnic Christian Christianity growing. It's not the traditional uh, white church, black church, Hispanic church. There's increasing numbers of churches that are multi-ethnic. And they're led by uh, sometimes white, sometimes Hispanic, sometimes Asian, sometimes black. They are actually they don't quite fit. I don't think. Uh, the way the traditional church has been. They don't, they're not as politically aligned, but they're still politically active. That means they kind of mix up both liberal and conservative views on things politically. And they're growing, and they're serving their neighborhood, and they're reaching out, and yet they're still calling people to faith in Christ. And so it's pretty exciting, but I do think it's not a, well, it's, the story has not been told much, so they don't have much of a voice publicly. Okay, and what's your involvement with them? Well, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit of a senior statesman, because when I started Redeemer Church almost 20, 28 years ago, that movement was just beginning. And I was uh, about 40 years old then, and um, most of these folks were, you know, teenagers or 20-somethings, and so I, uh, my church grew with a lot of them in it, and we helped, we saw at least another 150, at least another 150 churches or more started just even in Manhattan in the last 20 years with, um, like that with those kinds of folks in them. So I, I, in a way, I was a little bit of a forerunner and I'm a, I feel a little bit like a grandfather to most of them, literally almost, because some, the, some of them actually are my grandchildren now. <laughs> All right. And what was different about the Redeemer Church? Um, I think it's a mixture. For example, I would say, uh, here's one, here's one. Conservative churches tend to evangelize and call people to conversion, but they don't help the poor. And liberal churches tend to help the poor, but they don't want to tell anybody that they have to believe in Jesus and need to be converted. Um, and Redeemer and all these other new churches, they do both. I mean, they, they both say there's an inner transformation that comes through faith, and there also needs to be radical self-sacrifice for the needy and the marginalized to do justice and mercy in the city. And uh, that's one. I, I, there's much more to say, but, you know, briefly, that's one of the ways in which they really do differ from more traditional fundamentalist and modernist churches. Mm -hmm. Now, is there any governing body? What's underneath it? What does this stand on? Multiple denominations. 
No, no, there isn't a single governing body, which might, you know is good and bad. I think it's more good than bad because so it's uh, there are there really are Baptists and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and Methodists and Charismatics and Pentecostals. So in some ways, it's like what we've always had in right. America, which is multiple denominations. But they but they like I said, they tend to be less monoethnic and more multiethnic. They tend to be younger. They tend to they kind of combine some of the more traditional and more liberal. I mean, the emphasis on racial justice is really huge. The yeah. emphasis on economic justice is really huge. And yet they'll not turn right around and say, you have to believe in the blood of Jesus Christ to be born again. Yeah. And which doesn't, you know, a lot of people, that, that does, those things don't go together, but they do. They do, at least in these churches. Okay. So Jesus is the unifying factor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I also say a high view of the Bible. Um, in other words, they would, they would not see the Bible as a... Uh, a bunch of legends or even a kind of uh, obsolete uh, religious book. They would be a high view of the Bible, but I'll give you three. A high view of the Bible, uh, Jesus and faith in Jesus and what he has done, not just being a good person, you have to believe in Jesus. So there's the Bible, there's Jesus, and then there's outreach. That is, you you don't just sit on what you've got, you, you share it. You get out there and you reach out to people. Okay. That's the three. Timothy Keller, the guest, the book God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. So where do these urban Christian churches stand on the gay issue? Well, um, probably, this is, again, not something that will please anybody. I would say that most of them would would certainly, they all have gay friends, and so they would not be, um, uh, they they wouldn't be bigoted toward gay people in the sense they wouldn't want to stay away from them. They'd be very affirming to them personally. Uh, they would not, I think most of them would probably not even say they have any problem with same-sex marriage being legal or anything like that. They would also probably still generally uh, hold to what the Catholic and Protestants have always taught, which is for Christians that uh, marriage should be between a man and a woman. And those, those, those two ideas still holding to the traditional Christian sex ethic at the same time being very, very open personally and supportive personally of gay people. That is another one of those situations that just, uh, they don't go together in most people's minds. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of people say they can't. They just can't. You either, you either are all for or you're all against. And no, nope, that's what I see in most of these churches is that kind of combination. Right. And what would Jesus think of that? Actually, I think, okay, I told you I'm kind of like a, an elder statesman here, so I think that's right. <laughs> just to let you know, I think Jesus would say the same thing. But you asked me. So. Yeah, no, I did. I asked you. So you think yeah, Jesus no, I, yeah, Jesus would say marriage only between a man and a woman? Well, yeah, because the, the New Testament, the, there's, a, there's a Greek word in the New Testament. Jesus uses it. Paul uses it. John, they all do. It's a, it's a Greek word, porneia, from which we get our word pornography, but don't, don't get mm. confused there. But the word porneia was actually a coined word. Uh, that Christians use, and it actually meant, it, it's hard to translate, it says sec, it means sexual immorality in most translations. But it actually means any sex outside of a marriage, outside of sex between a man and a woman in marriage. Mm-hmm. So any sex outside of marriage is, is considered porneia. Uh, sex between uh, uh, two people of the same sex or gender, that's also called porneia. Uh, sex with a child is porneia. Uh, so anything other than sex between a man and a woman inside marriage was porneia. And Jesus uses that word, uh, just like Paul and everybody else does. So there's no... And, and, and the early church was totally out of step with the Roman world, because the Roman world didn't see any problem with sex outside of 
you know, heterosexual marriage. Mm -hmm. It had no problem. So when Christians came along, they were really weird. And yet, underneath, they had this this belief that sex was all about self-giving and completing, and it had a different logic to it. So it basically, most Christians in the world still hold to it. Not everybody, but they still do, and I still think that that's right, personally. Okay. But it doesn't mean that you're bigoted and nasty toward people who disagree with you. That's that's the thing that is very different. Right, that's not Christian. Okay. Not in the lightest. So tell me, I just want to be clear on this issue, that, that sex was about giving? Yeah. Yeah, see, the point is, if you have sex with somebody, but you don't actually marry them, then you're actually, you're, you're not giving yourself totally. The, 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 the idea would be, if I, if I give myself sexually, or I put it this way, if I make myself vulnerable, if I make myself naked physically, but I don't make myself vulnerable in every other way. In other words, I, I hold on to myself. I, I, I don't give myself to you in marriage. I give myself to you not just physically, but I also give myself to you emotionally and socially and financially in every other way. Um, the idea was, the Christian idea is it's a monstrosity. It's, it's, it's inconsistent to give yourself physically and not give yourself in absolutely every other way. So if somebody says to me, I want your body, but I actually don't want to give myself to you. I don't want to give my whole self to you. I don't want to lose my independence. Then I say, well, then you really don't love me because you, you, want, you want my body, but you really don't want to give yourself to me. Right. And so the idea that you would have sex without marriage is a really a way of saying, I want to have sex without giving myself fully to you. And um, that's, that's why sex outside of marriage is considered basically using somebody instead of actually investing in somebody. Got it. Timothy Keller, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. How do you describe the new, the new book? Well, the, the book is actually taking the Ten Commandments, which pretty much everybody knows, uh, and, or the Golden Rule you know, uh, which everybody knows. And the book of Proverbs applies that to every nook and cranny of daily life. So we have these principles, but we also don't know how to, how to actually apply them. And it, 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 that's what the book of Proverbs does. It takes those basic rules that we all know and generally agree on, and it says, well, how does, how does that actually apply to family, to work? How does it apply to money, to politics? How does it apply to absolutely every little practical piece of daily life and that's what's so brilliant about it and also what's so unique about it yeah love it i opened up to october 21st the dangers of windfalls and october yeah. 22nd wealth can make you dishonest and both yeah. of these have wonderful paragraphs to read and it's backed up by scripture so you can go look up the story yep one of your and favorites it, from the book maybe well you know actually the danger of windfalls is one of them uh, it's really remarkable. What Basically what Proverbs says is, if you're going to get rich, it's best if you get rich gradually. Because as the money grows, your, your humility, your character, your wisdom grows generally. The trouble is, if you suddenly get very wealthy early on, which can happen if you're like a... Um, a, you know, a uh, like a star athlete, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, a you know, a, maybe a singer or somebody that right. just gets very wealthy early. Almost always, the Book of Proverbs says, almost always that's going to be a disaster, because you actually haven't developed the judiciousness and the prudence and the self-control and all the other kinds of virtues or aspects of wisdom you need to handle having that much money. And when I, when I read what the scriptures said about this, what the Bible said about it, I said, oh my word, especially in a place like New York, where I see a lot of young people who have come into a lot of money, uh, they almost, not always, but so often it makes shipwreck. 
to me, that's one of my favorite ones. But the fact is that Proverbs is just so brilliant at being able to, to tell you what will happen if you do this and what will happen if you do this. I don't know how we can ignore it. We won't. Timothy Keller, <laughs> God's wisdom for navigating life. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Casey. Find more at timothykeller.com. And if you'd like his day-by-day prayer book, God's Wisdom, email me from the site casey.co, K-A-C-E-Y.co. I know we had a glitch at that site last week, but I think that's all fixed. Okay, let me know. Now let's go from the Bible to the work of Dr. and Master Zhigong Sha. He's been on the show a couple of times himself. He is a Western-trained medical doctor who has tapped into a stream of love via chanting in Mandarin Chinese, and he uses inspired calligraphy. His life's work is to heal the world through love. Dr. Master Sha's protege, Master Francisco Quintero, joins us to talk about the new book, Greatest Love, which means... Here, uh, Greatest Love represents unconditional love which is the, the purest form of love that we have for another soul. This can be a family member, a friend, a loved one, a husband, wife, partner. Love that is able to bring a deep healing to relationships, to uh, your physical body and different aspects of your life. So it's that purest love that we can all connect to within our hearts. Okay, let me ask you this. Is the purest love in us or is it outside of us? It is both. It's the, the purest love, that unconditional love is within us um, and also outside of us. But what happens for many of us is that, uh, just think of relationships. Some people we find so easy to love and to connect with. Other people we love, but we have some challenges. So that love is still within us, but we have blockages that we need to remove to be able to love um, those people more fully and unconditionally. Right. And those blockages are really just judgments, right? Uh, Those blockages can be different types of blockages. Some of it can be spiritual blockages or mind blockages like judgment. Uh, or even heart blockages like jealousy, competition. So all those different types of blockages can be removed and unblocked through this little book that Master Shah, uh, Master Maya, and myself have written for humanity. So even in the most difficult situation, there's still um, a small aspect of, of unconditional love within us. We just need to be able to remove those blockages and let that light begin to shine. Uh, Think of it like in the complete darkness, there's still a small piece of light that still remains there that if we nurture it, if we help those people to expand that light, that that unconditional love can can expand. Actually, in the book, at the very end, the last chapter, there is a book on how to be able to transform situations like this. The greatest love, unconditional love, if all souls resonate with that message, connect with that message, it will slowly begin to transform the consciousness of humanity. And the very last practice, you're guided through connecting with humanity, with Mother Earth, and all souls to chant with you, to practice with you unconditional love, the greatest love. And that that resonance, that vibration will begin to spread out 
to humanity and uplift everybody, including those who are in a very deep, dark state. What you and Master Maya and Master Shah practice, Master Francisco, what is this called? Is this a religion? Is this a philosophy? What do you call what you do? It's not a religion or philosophy. They're, uh, they're practices of Basically, uh, the, the main teaching is about the qualities of the Tao, or the source, which is love, forgiveness, compassion, light, uh, flourishing, gratitude, service. So it's about how we can become more pure in our love and our forgiveness and our service to help others. So it's for all spiritual traditions, all religions. So these are qualities that we all can cultivate within us. Okay. The greatest love you can chant. What are the two words that you want us to chant? Ah, we could chant together if you would like. Oh my gosh, I don't know. You start, I'll jump in. <laughs> okay, well, uh, well, how about this? I will chant um, and it, so that people can know how to do this. Do you have any, um, Casey, do you have any physical pain on the body? You know, I have to tell you, I think I'm having a little toothache on my left side right now. Okay, so put one hand on your to- your toothache, mm-hmm. okay? So just put one hand there. Okay. Do you have the book already, Casey? Yes, in my hand. Okay, so go to page 52 and you will see a calligraphy there. And that's actually one of the most important parts of this book is that this calligraphy has been specially created uh, that carries a higher frequency vibration that we can connect with um, the greatest love. Okay. So you're going you're gonna to trace that calligraphy and I will chant out loud. You can just trace silently mm-hmm. and you start on the top and you just follow the pathway of the calligraphy. I will begin. So I'm going to first do a little invocation. So we call Dear the Source and Dear the Tao Calligraphy of Da Ai, the greatest love. Please offer Casey a blessing for her toothache. And for all your viewers, please also trace with us, practice with us, and make a request. Please offer a blessing. We cannot thank you enough. Thank you. And I'm going to chant Da Ai, the greatest love. Die, 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 Love, 
we close. How, how, how. Perfect means perfect. Get well. Mandarin Chinese. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How, how, how. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That means so how, how, yeah. how do you feel? Well, I how feel. How do you think? I feel a little better. I do. I feel Great. a little better. But, you know, just knowing that you were <laughs> chanting with intention for me. Um, I don't know. It just tickled me. I think that <laughs> that that helps in a way. So yes, it does. Uh, yes, it really helps a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, let me ask you this. So if I just chant with the intention that I want to heal someone or something, how does that work energetically? The da I, which means greatest love, we're sending that positive message to your, you know, to your toothache, which may have some blockages energetically, spiritually, and the, the vibration of Da'ai is much higher than our vibration. So when we're chanting it, we're, we're connecting with higher frequencies and vibration. In that vibration, that love begins then to melt away the blockages within the toothache or within the person that you are offering this love to. So it's the quality of love that melts the blockages. This isn't your first language, is it? I'm from California originally, so English is my first language. Uh, I learned from Dr. and Master Jigong Shah, um, you know, to, to chant these other mantras in Mandarin Chinese. So, and then I know he has transmissions where he sort of uh, intuits these spiritual calligraphy things that he also says have a great power. I'm assuming that's how he got this calligraphy on page 53 of the book. That is correct. He, he drew this calligraphy specifically for this small book, and this calligraphy has been blessed, where Master Shah has transmitted, infused within it uh, a higher quality of light vibration so that we can all use it to heal, to bless, and transform our life. Okay. Can we heal, bless, and transform other people's lives? I think that's kind of where I started. Yes. The, uh, all, of, all of the teachings of Master Shah is about um, not only healing ourselves, but healing others, because that is a, a service that we all can do for others. Okay. So what if I'm ham, I'm chanting, and I'm trying to heal someone, and... Do they have to know about it? Do I have to tell them I'm doing this? The best is if they know about it, uh, so that they know what is happening, what is occurring. Uh, in some situations, for example, if you want to heal a relationship between you and someone that you really are struggling with, uh, you can apply this and it, it will begin to still offer and remove blockages in that relationship so that you can open more to that relationship. Could I chant for someone's health? Yeah, yeah, you just you did. Offer. You just did. Yeah, right. Right. Got can, it. Uh, yeah. We, uh, we always do it for offering um, these healing blessings to others for their health. Okay, terrific. And in the book, you're, you're guided through a lot of different practices on how to do that. How were you called to this work? 2002, I was a middle school mathematics teacher uh, living in California in the Monterey Bay. And uh, my very first year of teaching, actually, I got high blood pressure. And when I went to the doctors, they told me that uh, I would need to go on medication. And I was 27 years old at that time, and I was seeing my mom going through a difficult time with her blood pressure medication, so I decided to look for uh, a different solution for myself. And I happened to meet 
uh, a teacher of Master Sha, Patricia Smith, and she taught me the techniques of Master Jigong Sha, and within one year, I was able to normalize my blood pressure. And because it changed my life, I started to learn more about Master Sha's techniques and how it helps people. And I've had the honor to now travel around the world for 17 years now, and I've seen what you could call miracles happen in front of my eyes. So I really believe in these practices that uh, we share with you in this greatest love book, which is a great gift for humanity. So it says unblock your life in 30 minutes a day with the power of unconditional love. What do we need to do for 30 minutes a day? Chant? Correct. The chanting and the tracing of the calligraphy, you ideally want to practice 10 minutes uh, three times per day, and that equals the 30 minutes uh, for, for difficult situations, chronic health conditions, you would want to chat for longer periods of time. Okay. So can I do it while I'm washing my dishes or doing the laundry or do I need to sit down and focus? You can do it when you're, a lot of people do it, actually do it when they're doing laundry and daily tasks because you're still having that vibration. But if you really uh, like have a condition that you want to focus on, it's best if you're in a, you know, a, a setting that will allow you to do the tracing and the chanting. Okay. Talk to me about some of the prayers that we find in the middle of the book. Why are we, why are we addressing all souls? Here, what, there's two types of souls that are described in the book. One is called inner souls. The inner souls are like, you know, many people believe you have a, uh, a body soul. That's your soul that many people connect with your spirit. But in Master Shah's teachings, your heart has a soul. Your back has a soul. Your liver has a soul. Every cell within your body has a soul. So we're connecting with the souls within the body that need healing, that need life transformation. The outer souls are things like the soul of the Mother Earth, uh, the sun, the moon, but also the divine, the Tao, the source, or our spiritual fathers and mothers, whatever your spiritual belief is. So you're then connecting to an outside soul that has a very positive frequency and vibration. And that vibration then, that message of that soul can bless your life. So that, that's, that's the invocation. So it's, a, it's an invocation, it's a connection. It's what you're doing is you're connecting uh, with that soul through these invocations. Uh, Francisco, before I let you go, I have a friend named Christy Lapitan, and she is a practitioner of the Tao Blessings and Soul Healing Miracles. She's a teacher trainee. Could you give her a a hello? Because I know she'll be listening to this program. Yes. Hello, Christy. Love you, love you, love you. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Do you know her? I I know her. She comes here to Toronto, and I am one of her teachers. You know, I've been one of her teachers to help train her in in these different um, uh, teachings of Master Shah. She's a beautiful soul, and she brings a lot of love and light to humanity. She's my friend. Oh, you're very blessed, Casey. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's so wonderful. All right, fantastic. All right, wonderful All right. to meet you. Maybe I'll meet you okay. with Christy one day. Have a beautiful day. Thank okay. you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Small world. Francisco Quintero, who with Maya Mackey and Dr. Master Shah wrote The Greatest Love, a little book with great big prayers and chants inside. No, I can't part with mine just yet. I've got some chanting to do. And while I'm doing the laundry, I'll chant for you too. DrShaw.com, D-R-S-H-A.com, has more. And our thought for the day is from Dr. Master Shah, who said, If you want to know if a pear is sweet, taste it. If you want to know the power of unconditional love, 
experience it. Love, peace, harmony. See you next week. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. The content of Shine On, the health and happiness show is intended for general information purposes only. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Join Casey for another edition of Shine On, the health and happiness show next Sunday morning, right here on 100.7 WHUD.